We all pot down here. him. No, I did not. I gave him life. Welcome to We All Pod down here. I'm Brittany. And I'm Dan. And we are going to talk about Reanimator. And we are not only going to talk about the original Reanimator, but we are going to talk about the entire trilogy. We're going to talk about movies that didn't get made. So we're going to talk about the whole the whole kitten caboodle. And in case you're not aware, quick overview is Herbert West has created a reagent that is able to bring the dead back to life, but with some iffy results to say the least. The very neon green reagent. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, that was actually the first time ever they used glow sticks in a movie. Really? Yeah, that was what the reagent was. was it was a glow stick stuff that they would make glowy. Very nice. Did not know that. So our references are the usual, Wikipedia, our knowledge of these movies, we know a lot about these, IMDb as well. Going over cast and crew, we're not going to go super in-depth, but I'll go high level with all three films. The director for the first movie was Stuart Gordon. The first movie came out in 1985. That was Stuart Gordon's directorial debut, and Brian Usna directed Bride of Reanimator, and Beyond Reanimator, Brian Yuzna also produced all three films, so he was very integrally involved with all of them. So for the first flick, the original cast, the most infamous and most important actor in this series, the one and only Jeffrey Combs, who plays Dr. Herbert West. And of course, he's known for about 10,000 different roles in Star Trek <laughs> and a whole lot of other things. But I'd say Star Trek and Reanimator are the two things he's most known for. Mm-hmm. And he is what quite literally brings life to these films in more ways than one. I see what you did there. Yep. With the edit in a... Dan Kane was played by Bruce Abbott. His career had a lot of like small kind of guest appearances. Um, I'd say Reanimator was definitely his claim to fame. Megan Halsey, who was played by the infamous Barbara Crampton, which, of course, you know her from many a horror film, Chopping Mall, Castle Freak, Puppet Master series. I'm hoping that she's going to be in Bowser's movie, too, because while she wasn't listed as the cast, I'm hoping she has, like, a cameo. And I say that just because she posted a photo of her and Jeffrey Combs together recently saying that they just did a film together. And I was like, the only film I know of that Jeffrey Combs was doing like right now was Bowser's movie. So that would be pretty badass. That's my hope. That's I have no evidence to back that up other than my own own hopes and dreams. Pretty much. But hey, you never know. Yep. But sorry, go ahead and continue with the cast and crew. All right. And then we have Dr. Carl Hill, who's played by David Gale, who unfortunately passed away in 1991. So he passed away not too long after the second movie. It was actually one of his last films. And we have Dean Allen Halsey, who was played by Robert Sampson. And then jumping to Bride of Reanimator from 1990, a couple call-outs in the cast. We had Lieutenant Leslie Chatham, played by Claude Earl Jones. No relation to James Earl at all. And we have Gloria slash The Bride, played by Kathleen Kinmont. She was in Halloween 4. And then moving on to the third in the trilogy, Beyond Reanimator, we have Laura Olney, who's played by Elsa Pataki, who is well known for being in the Fast and the Furious franchise as Elena Nevis. We have Dr. Howard Phillips, who's played by Jason Barry. 
His other big credit was Titanic as Tommy Ryan. And finally, we have Warden Brando, played by Simone Andrew. And that's kind of a, an abbreviated casting crew for the three films. Yeah. Especially for the first film, a lot of the people that were in it were literally just like random people they had on set. Like mm-hmm. one of the people was the accountant. Oh, yeah. Because they couldn't afford anybody else. So yeah. they just like everyone who worked on the movie, hey, play a part. Yeah, pretty much. So like... The movie only had a $900,000 budget, so for this is for the first one. I don't actually know the budgets off the top of my head for the other two. but Yeah, but it was done on a shoestring budget for sure. And for the kind of the quality level of the practical effects they did, it's really impressive. Mm-hmm. The guy that did a lot of the special effects said it was, at the time, the bloodiest movie he'd ever worked on. <laughs> he normally used about two gallons of blood. I think they said he used about 24 gallons of blood in this movie. That is not surprising. I'd say at least. But... Did you, I figured for this, rather than doing a big spoiler-free review, there's not much to spoil for the most part. Yeah, I mean, the most recent movie came out almost 20 years ago, so. I don't understand how 2003 was almost 20 years ago. Yeah, don't don't get me going. But, yeah, we're not going to go over the plot and the story in depth of these three movies. If you haven't seen them, Here's the plot and the story of all three. Herbert West played by the infamous Jeffrey Combs, is found this reagent. He's developed it, and he's trying to bring people back to life. It's not going well. No. None of the times does it go well, but he keeps trying, so A for effort. Yeah, you have to give him a lot of credit. He is really dedicated to his science, Mm -hmm. whether it works all the way or not. Though the fact that he's even gotten a dead body to reanimate in any way is super impressive. impressive. So kudos. But it's one of those, like, there's a difference between a body being alive and living, I feel like. Yeah, agreed. Like, the body's alive, but all the neurons are not firing. No, they're firing just enough to make them ragey and... Ragey and bitey. Yeah. Yep, and that's what brings a lot of the fun in these movies. I'd say, like... The thing that makes these movies so wonderful to me, one is the performance, obviously, of Jeffrey Combs playing this weird, crazy, eclectic, really determined mad scientist character, <laughs> and just how over-the-top ridiculous they are in a lot of ways. And it's it's a roller coaster ride of gory fun, really. Mm-hmm. And I'm not the biggest fan of gore in flicks, but this movie, these movies make it fucking fun. Yeah, I feel like gore in this kind of movie in the context is very fun you it's when it's gory just to be gory and there's no fun aspect to it like it's kind of like tucker and dale versus evil that movie was very bloody but it's hilarious and it's very fitting yeah i mean we get dr hill as a head literally just a head which was one of the the real special effects triumph for the time too and it was just what he was Probably at his best when he was just a head. Yeah. And he had a bo- his own body carrying his head around. Yep. Just so utterly ridiculous. And what's really funny is last night we were watching The Mads Are Back. Uh, they were riffing The Brain That Wouldn't Die. And, of course, everyone in the chat the whole time is making all these jokes about, like, oh, she can't get ahead, you know, and mm-hmm. all this. And all I can think of is Reanimator because exactly. I'm thinking of Reanimator. Dr. Hill. But I'm th- I was like, someone should sew some bat wings onto her. Then she oh can my fly. Oh, God. That's oh, the best God. part of the second movie. Oh, for sure. The best part of Bride is when Dr. Hill has like has somehow gotten bat wings attached to his head and he's flying around causing all sorts of havoc. Just yeah. so cheesily wonderful. 
So, Harry, let's go and talk a little bit about the sequels that never happened. And supposedly there's one that's supposed to be coming out this year. Yeah, I'm a little iffy on that one. Well, Jeffrey Combs isn't in it from my understanding, Mm -hmm. and then there's just no point. So the one that's supposed to come out this year in 2022 is called Curse of the Reanimator. A lot of details are kind of unknown. There was a brief, like, 45-second trailer on YouTube. Jeffrey Combs is not reprising the role of Dr. Herbert West. It's said as a prequel. I don't know how confident I am in this is going to be any good. I don't have a lot... There's not a lot of information really out about this other than looks like Jeffrey Combs is not in it. And again, there's just no point at that point. I mean, I'll watch it just to, I guess, laugh at it and riff it, but I I just don't have almost no... It, it just... I have no desire to watch this movie without Jeffrey Combs because he makes these movies. He doesn't make the first movie in the sense that if he wasn't in it and someone else was playing that role, it would probably still be good. But the next two movies are rough. Yeah. like Except for the fact that Jeffrey Combs is there and being ridiculous. Like, yeah. in the third where the one guy's like trying to shoot himself up with the reagent and he's telling him, he's like, you shouldn't do that. And they start spazzing out and he just slowly lifts the light up just to watch. Like, all right, <laughs> yeah. I guess he's going to be stupid. I'll go ahead and just watch it. <laughs> and it's just little things like that just absolutely make it. Oh, yeah. Like, he is so deadpan in these movies. He's so stone-faced, like, emotionless that... And and thus he's getting kind of agitated when he kind of just raises his voice a little bit. But yeah, the first movie I think would have been great no matter what, but Jeffrey Combs is what made it a classic. Mm-hmm. It would have been good, decent, story was still good, but Jeffrey Combs ties it all together. Yeah, absolutely. So, so with like the two unproduced sequels, there was, there was one called Island of Reanimator. So it was supposed to be kind of like a, Dr. Moreau-style story here. Now, for the other one, because that one seemed to have very limited information about it, it seems like it was more like the idea was thrown out there, but nothing really became of it. Yeah. Now, what's interesting about the other one, House of Reanimator, is that it's been said before that it was supposed to feature Dr. Herbert West reanimating the President of the United States. I've also read some things that it was supposed to be the Vice President of the United States, and it was supposed to be, but it was supposed to be related to George Bush. I've also read, though, that on numerous occasions, Jeffrey Combs has denied this. Yeah, it's been, there's been a lot of hearsay about it. Honestly, if it is true, it would have been freaking wonderful. Oh my gosh, it's just the idea of just, because George Bush, especially like nowadays. Zombie, like like a reanimated, ragey W. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like, not even make him ragey, just make him as goofy and make him like you know it'd be really funny actually if he starts trying to put a raincoat on no yeah that was <laughs> that poncho incident was hilarious no no what would be really really great is if remember how he used to say stuff and it just like half the time wouldn't make sense and there's all those famous quotes of like things that george bush would say when they reanimate he starts making sense like you make them all eloquent yeah like it makes him actually like you know like really well spoken <laughs> Yeah, and the kids see Jeffrey Combs like, well, this isn't working at all. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like something like that. But again, it seems like a really funny idea. But like I said, I've read that Jeffrey Combs himself has said that that was never going to be a thing. There was, I guess, talk of 
making a movie that was going to be called House of Reanimator. But there was just like, they all have said that basically there was just no issue. There was nothing where they were going to bring the Bush administration into it. I think they should have. I think it should still happen. I think it'd still be funny. Mm -hmm. Or if it was just like, just a president in general. I mean, these days you could bring Trump into it and make it really ridiculous. Yeah. The other thing is I know that Brian Usna had said that he had planned two other sequels as well that were separate from these two that he had talked about called reanimator unbound and reanimator begins so it's like batman begins (laughs) does does herbert west go into some sort of like training with ra's al ghul or something maybe i guess what it was supposed to be was something about like being in a war zone and coming across the old ones since oh geez well because it's based on hp lovecraft Mm -hmm. interestingly lovecraft was not a fan of these he wrote these because he was getting paid Mm -hmm. but he didn't really care for these stories yeah, I think he kind of made them just for the hell of it. Well, and I like think, you said, for money. But they, H.P. Lovecraft, even when he phones it in, it's fantastic. Yeah, and well, a lot of the stuff they did in this was very different from the actual like story, actual oh, yeah. reanimator stories. A lot of this was geared. It was kind of like if you mixed Frankenstein with the reanimator stories. Yeah, for sure. But they called it H.P. Lovecraft's. Yeah. Which fu- other fun fact? Did you know Jeffrey Combs didn't even know who H.P. Lovecraft was when he tried out mm-hmm. for this? I just yeah. uh, like. But how do you not know who H.P. Lovecraft is? I remember like the one some of the initial stories about how this became a thing. Like Brian Usna was sick to death of vampire movies, and he wanted to make something that was more Frankenstein-ish. Mm-hmm. And somebody he knew said, "Hey, you should read this H.P. Lovecraft story." Oh, you didn't have to go to like the Chicago like library. Yeah, to and find he couldn't it find it because it, it was just it nowhere. And he had to go like he hunted it down the Chicago library and read it and decided to go with it. And initially, he was going to make it a theater theatrical stage production, and that didn't really work out. So they thought of doing it as like an episodic television series. And I don't remember who told them this. It might have been Stuart Gordon, but I could be wrong. Who said that? Hey, you know it. If you want to do horror, feature films are where it's at these days. So the decision eventually was done to make a feature film, and here we are. Other thing that kind of in the vein of like sequels that didn't get made, but for something that did get made, Adventure Comics actually in 91 and 92 released two miniseries that were comic books of the film. So the first one was just a three-issue like direct adaptation of the first film. The other one that was called Reanimator Dawn of the Reanimator, and it was like a and that was a prequel for the films. And the, but when I hear Dawn of Three Animator, I can only think of Dawn of the Dead. So it's mm-hmm. like, well, that's just fitting. I need we need to find those. I haven't been able to find yeah. them yet, as of yet. There's a lot of parody in these, like light parody in these movies at times. Mm-hmm. So that wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. Yeah. Well, so the music in it, if with second you hear that music, you're like, well, this is obviously an homage to Psycho. Oh yeah, and the the gentleman who made the music said as much. Yeah. That it was, uh, and in fact, they were going to do something in the. He was going to make a mention in the credits, like a kind of like a joke about it, mm-hmm. but they forgot to put it in the credits. <laughs> so to go back to do it, it was going to like, like, oh, it's going to cost another $10,000 to go back and re-edit it. It was like, nope, fuck it. Let nope. it go. <laughs> People will just have to know. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. Yep. Yeah. We definitely need to get a hold of those comics because I would love to read those. Yeah, for sure. If anyone has a line on where to find them, let us know. Yeah, I gotta do some digging. Another fun fact is Jeffrey Combs, Barbara Crampton, Robert Sampson, and director Stuart Gordon, they visited an institution and a morgue to prepare for the film. Kind of get the atmosphere right. Yeah. 
They also, I know, did a lot where they looked at a lot of, like, more actual morgue photos and stuff so they could... Because they said, you know, when someone dies, the when the blood kind of, like, settles, it kind of causes a weird pigmentation in the bodies. And so they did that to try to make sure they got as accurate as possible. Which, again, for a $900,000 budget, they really put some effort into that. Yep, especially for a movie with a featuring a talking head. Quite yeah. literally, a talking head. Apparently, Jeffrey Combs was very upset about that line because when he said it, I guess it got such a laugh that the next part of the line people didn't hear, and he thought the next part of the line was better. What was <laughs> what was that line again? It's uh, oh, join a sideshow. I think is what it was. He says, mm-hmm. you know, like like something about being a talking head, and tells them, and then everyone got laughed in the theater, and then he said, join a sideshow, but everyone was laughing so hard, no one heard the second part. I think the talking head was the best part of that. Yeah, but I can see why he really liked the other part of it too. Oh yeah. There's so many great one-liners. Like I'm not possibly going to even try to go through all those because oh there's yeah. so many. Like, and this movie really, I would say, was a huge inspiration for a lot of horror comedy that followed. Mm-hmm. Because there, there's so many things this could have influenced. It probably definitely influenced. Oh, for sure. There was a limited edition DVD of this armor for a while ago that had a pen that looked like the syringe, and the ink was like the neon green. Mm-hmm. Should have bought it. Never that's, did. yeah, that's one of those. I really failed. Looking on back, that one. and you're like, God damn it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really failed on that one. Maybe to eBay will help us someday. Yeah, just look for a reanimator pen. And then it's like four thousand dollars. Or it's like a dollar, and no one gives a shit. <laughs> I highly doubt that. I highly fucking doubt that. Never know if it was maybe, mass maybe produced. It's, it's the pen, but literally, if it's run out of ink. Yeah, right. I'll take the pen. Do him a personal favor. Take yeah. the pen. Other thing that's kind of fun about this movie is that in keeping with the whole idea of raising the dead, that the actual, like, gurney that they used in this, they had gotten it from Dan O'Banion. So, like, from Return of the Living Dead because they already had a hole cut in it. So they were like, oh, might as well just use that one. So. Hey, why not? Reuse it. Reanimate it. From, from, ah, from one classic movie to the next. Yep. And Return of the Living Dead, that's another one that really inspired a lot of comedies, like oh, especially sure. like zombie-related comedies. Mm-hmm. Shaun of the Dead had to be like directly inspired by that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Return of the Living Dead, if you haven't seen it, my God, one of the one of the greatest horror films of all time. Oh, for sure. What was it that said there was like rabid weasels or something? <laughs> in the, in the, yeah. All I can think of when I hear that, though, is... Uh, for whatever reason, it, do you remember that Tumblr I found once that was some guy that was called a Hello Let's Date? Mm-hmm. And the guy went on this whole tirade, like talking to, basically he was on like a dating site. When people would message him, he would reply with ridiculous stuff and he would just screenshot it. One of the things he would go on and on about is like these ferrets and how the ferrets got into his cocaine and like <laughs> all this stuff. And then how his neighbor was trying to steal his waffles and just, it was so ridiculous. I'm so sad he stopped doing it. Oh, man. I remember those. Oh, my gosh. I used to read them all the time. They're so fucking funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you need a laugh, go look up that Tumblr. It's Hello, Let's Date, and that guy needs an award. For sure. Back to the movie, though. Another kind of crazy thing that I found out was I think this movie pretty much ended David Gale's marriage. Who played I, I heard Hill. about that, yeah. Because I guess the, the scene where... I, th- I think it's called the head giving head scene where basically <laughs> that, that's I know I've heard it called. It's like the scene where basically mm-hmm. he's holding his head and like going down into into Barbara Crampton's nether region. Yeah. And I think it, he even he felt a little weird doing it. But I guess at there's been multiple people that have confirmed this, including Stuart Gordon, that at the theater or I guess at the premiere of it, she said, how could you left? And then shortly after they got divorced. So, wow. I, it's a, it's a 
little much, I'd say. Yeah. I mean, if that's the basis of it, I mean, obviously we have no idea, but it's a movie. Yeah, yeah cause like, and for me, even watching it's that, not I was like, he was like, it was like hardcore porn or something. No, and that's the thing is, it I I can understand that, like, cause from the female perspective of it, just like even watching it made me feel a little uncomfortable. Oh, for sure, cause it's like and that's a, what's meant to it's do. It's a ghoul, literally. Uh, about to rape this girl. Yeah, and it's, again, very uncomfortable, but at the same time, I feel like that, I know, like, as an actor, a lot of times you can separate yourself, because, like, mm-hmm. Barbara Crampton in an interview was talking about, like, that, like, the scene and other nude scenes she's done, and I found her exact quote, I'm going to find it here, so she says, anything I did was always part of the film and part of the story. I don't think that anything I ever did felt like I shouldn't be doing this or I'm scared to do it or that it would hurt my career if I do it. There are a lot of people who are movie viewers who have varying degrees on what they think and how they feel about sexuality and nudity. There's a lot of social and moral issues involved in people's minds and their upbringing. But for me as an actor, if it's part of the story, I'll do it and I'll probably continue to do it. I don't know if anybody's going to see a quote-unquote wrinkled old grandmother Barbara Crampton, but if it's part of the story, I'll do it. And then she laughed in the interview, apparently. And she doesn't look that much different now oh my than gosh, she, she did doesn't like 30-some, 30, 40 years ago. Oh my gosh, she does not age. Yeah, she might have aged like five years yeah. in that time. I feel like if she was comfortable with it, then I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, it's like as long as the people performing in it were comfortable and okay, then... It is what it is. If you don't enjoy that part of the movie and it makes you not like it, well, I guess don't watch it. Yeah. No one, no one was actually harmed. Yeah, and that's my you thing. Know, is- nothing was physically harmed. No one was forced to do something they didn't want to. It was done for comedic effect. So yeah, I can. Now, see- granted, it doesn't age well as a comedic effect. Yeah. There was also one specific character name homage. I don't know if it's an homage because the doctor, like the the very beginning of the first movie, the doctor was named Hans Gruber. Which is also the famous villain from the first Die Hard. So rest in peace, Alan Rickman. Mm-hmm. Alan Rickman was the best. Oh my gosh, so great! But yeah, the, I don't because the movie came out a couple years after it, so I don't. Yeah, know. exactly. So I'm, like Die Hard is 1988. This was 85. So I wonder if Die Hard had a little bit of an homage to this. Yeah, that I've wondered that, but I haven't found anything to back it up one way or another. Yeah, so nor might have just I. been a coincidence it's kind of a hopeful coincidence yeah kind of thing but like how, how common is the name hans gruber maybe it's really common in germany or something. yeah that's kind of what i was thinking i was like that's probably a super common yeah. german name but these are also american movies so yeah it was ironic too for the first movie it was originally given a rated x rating for all the violence and gore and nudity yeah nudity but they edited it down for an r rating for home video reasons Mm -hmm. because they wouldn't really release it as is well and i think in the uk they had to completely cut out the scene with the the whole head Mm -hmm. giving head scene i Mm -hmm. think they had to cut that out entirely for the uk now these days you can find an unrated version pretty easily oh yeah you can get unrated versions of all kinds of stuff nowadays Mm -hmm. they'll have their rated r release so that they can sell that but then they'll have their unrated release and the unrated probably sells better yeah because everyone wants to see the uncut version of everything and i don't blame them you don't want to miss something is it going to be the uh we can't watch it unless it's the snyder cut <laughs> it's the combs cut yeah the combs cut the combs comb cut hair the co- cut the comb over yeah uh, i don't know i was trying to go somewhere over. with that <laughs> yeah I was, I was trying to go somewhere with that it didn't work but we tried <laughs> the effort was there just like mm-hmm. herbert west a for effort even if it fails 
And even with the opening credit sequence, too, it pays a visual homage to Sal Bass for his work in Vertigo from Alfred Hitchcock. Yep. There's just so many things, like so many weird, odd facts about this mo- these movies and the people who made them. Like, here's one that will probably surprise a lot of people. Stuart Gordon and Brian Usna created Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the original movie. They, they created the idea. They pitched it to Disney. They ended up not having a ton in, of involvement in the actual movie. Like, Stuart Gordon, I think, was going to direct, but he had to drop out for a reason. But ultimately, that movie was their idea. And I can see how, you know, Mad Professor, and there's a lot of old-school horror movie homages in that movie even though it's a fun family movie there's a lot of good homages in that there was a podcast i listened to that's called the no fear cast and they were having a discussion on kaiju and they posed the idea that for honey i blew up the kid or there's like the kid grows huge Mm -hmm. would that count as kaiju and ultimately i think we've all kind of settled on at least for me, hearing them and my own take was settling on yes, that that counts as kaiju. I would say so. It's just, it's the same similar scenario. Like for what what makes kaiju is going to be you know a something gigantic organic creature raising havoc and that's caused by some kind of weird human intervention. Mm-hmm. So There's some sort of weird anomaly, something happened. Yeah, I'd say that absolutely counts as kaiju. Yeah, it's a. Uh, Family-friendly kaiju, to a degree. Yeah. But yeah, that's... I, I remember hearing that and laughing because I was just like, that's so perfect. It, it, Honey, I blew up the kid as kaiju. Yeah. And you know, too, we came really close to Jeffrey Combs almost not being able to do the movie. Oh, yeah, because of Pit and the Pendulum was mm-hmm. going on at the same time, right? But it got delayed and it let him play Dr. Herbert West. Especially for the second and third movies, man, they just would probably fall on their face without him. Yeah. So like I say, let's let's talk a little bit about, I know we've got through a lot of fun facts, let's talk a little bit about the films themselves. Mm-hmm, of course. So like the premise of the first one is Dr. West has invented a reagent that can bring the dead to the living. And he's, this one, he's a student at a, at a hospital slash school. And he's gotten like, kicked out of Switzerland. Yep. Because he killed Hans Gruber. Yep. Didn't throw him out of a building, but <laughs> but he said, you know, the dose of reagent was too much. Yep. And, of course, he moves in with the other student who ends up being a very integral part of this. This and the next one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is, of course, Dan Kane. And... I almost said Dan Abbott. Just going to combine his name. Sure. Why not? Oof. Bruce Kane. <laughs> um, yeah, so as a student and sets up a laboratory in his house, things go horribly fucking wrong. Ends up, you know, the dean of the school is Dan Kane's girlfriend's dad, and he dies. He gets brought back. He goes nuts. Every, like, there's all, everything's going nuts. Doctor Kane gives him a lobotomy, and like apparently, yeah. one thing is that. They he could, apparently it was meant to be that Doctor Hill could. I think I said Kane earlier, but Dr. Hill could have like some sort of mind control ability to some mm-hmm. extent. They cut it out for time, but that's why he was able to like control the other reanimated corpses, I guess, mm-hmm. is the best way and to control work. control his body that was detached yeah. from his head. The funny thing also with that, remember, because he has like, he puts this really stupid fake head on. Mm-hmm. Someone, uh, or 
Apparently, the special effects for that were really complicated. Well, Barbara Crampton pointed out that, like, during the filming, she's like, if he could put a fake head on, why couldn't he have just put his real head up there? And, like, no one had thought that. And by this point, it was too late to change, like, the costume and stuff. But she's like... He went through all this hell, yeah. She's like, you know, he could just put his real head up there. I mean, if he could physically move that head there, why couldn't he physically move the fake head? Mm -hmm. I mean, the real head. Yep. That's what happens when you have men write stuff and... They go, 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 they go really long way around, complicated routes. Like, hey, here's the easy way. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> oh, shit. There goes the planet. Yeah. No space balls in this, but, you know, yep. Rick Moranis was in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yep. See? Everything is connected. Yep. So the first movie is just pure, utter chaos. Mm-hmm. And it's just a beautiful level of chaos. Like, there's a lot of, like, weird, silly stuff, like the cat. Oh, that's so sad. It's though. really sad because I, me personally, I hate seeing any animals die in a movie. It bothers me a lot more than people because animals are better than most people. Yeah. But when the cat comes back. And it's just attacking Jeff It's just Holmes. attacking him. It's just attached to him. Yeah. It's just such slapstick wonderfulness. Well, that and like once they've like re-killed the cat and mm-hmm. Dan's sitting there telling him, you know. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, he's like, you must have just given him something like and drugged him to like and cooled his body temperature. He was really alive. You didn't bring him back from the dead. And he's takes the cat and he goes, he goes, do you agree that he's dead now? And he picks up the cat and drops it on the Mm -hmm. table. He goes, do you agree that he's dead now? (laughs) (laughs) And and the best deadpan you could possibly imagine. I know it's just that Jeffrey Holmes. I swear, you know what's funny? His the way he acts with that real deadpan and you know sarcastic humor. Very similar to how he is in Enterprise as the Andorian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's he always has that kind of stoic look on his face. He was more more like a little more emotional as the as the Andorian. Oh, for sure. But just he had a lot of those like little quips and stuff that just kind of reminded me of it a little bit. Oh yeah, for sure. It's like a blue Herbert was. <laughs> yeah, the first movie's just like a, a tour de force of wackiness. Yeah. Now we move on, like the second movie is Bride of Reanimator. It starts out with them like working in like a war zone, and of course, you know, working as doctors in a war zone, you get plenty of things to experiment on. So they're conti- him and Dan Kane are continuing their work, quote unquote work. Yeah, quote unquote work. He always he always calls it the work. Yeah, and his work, but yeah, of course they and they somehow end up at the same fucking hospital. How does that even happen? Yeah, like how did they let them back in after yeah. the the like eight months earlier there was this massacre? Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, you just let the two dudes back. Yeah, like, and, oh yeah, they're fine. Yeah, and then the head, the head of Doctor Carl Hill just shows up. Yeah, apparently they said it was. I think they said it was in a sideshow or something like mm-hmm. that. It wasn't a sideshow, and then it's back. Yep. Gives him a lower reagent, and look who's back. Yep, and he wants his. He gets his bat wings, and he oh goes my God. after. When he's when, he, when his head starts is just flying around, one of the most ridiculous moments in film history. Yeah, and you know, like this movie doesn't hold a candle to the original, but it's really fun in its own way, and it's more blatantly a comedy, I'd say, than the original Reanimator. Yeah, I'm just sitting here. Th- sorry, I'm just sitting here thinking. I was like, man, I'm like the the wheels are turning. I'm like. What would Ozzy do with him? I mean, he's already ahead. He can't really bite it off. Yeah. I don't know, sorry. I got- that, that is quite 
the car. The- I, I it's like I, I went into like a like just started like staring off into space, and you look at me like probably like, what the oh. hell is Brittany doing? I'm like, well, you've just come up with a version of the Kobayashi Maru, is what you have. There's a no win scenario for it for is Mr. Osborne. It's a total no win scenario for Ozzy. <laughs> Poor Ozzy. The sad part for that is that he didn't realize it was real. No, I, I don't think he realized a whole lot of things were actually going on at that point. Yeah, but like, it's what happened. I guess someone, for whatever reason, had a dead bat with him, threw it on stage, and then he thought it'd be funny to bite the head off this rubber bat that he quickly realized was not. Whew. So, yeah. Oh, Ozzy. He just kind of did things. Yeah. He still kind of just does things. Yeah. Just not as overtly anymore. Yeah. Met the man at Ozfest many, many years ago. Really nice guy. Really sweet. Just doesn't really have a whole lot of awareness of what's going on in general. Yeah, he kind of seems like he's probably a little out of it. The yeah, but... Drugs will do that to you. Yeah, he's... I'd say actually a pretty genuine dude. Oh, I'm sure. I'm just saying that. I just still think that... They had their effect. Drugs are... are I was going to say meth's a hell of a drug, but I almost said drugs are a hell of a drug. So, you know, <laughs> we'll just go with that. Anyway, Bride of Reanimator... Similar to in vain to yep. Bride of Frankenstein, where they're going to literally Frankenstein a, a bride mm-hmm. because I guess Meg didn't make it through whatever they put her through, so they tried to... Yeah, they, they got a hold of her heart, though. So somehow getting her physical heart was going to manifest the person. You think you'd need the yeah. brain for that. I was like, this this isn't Egypt where no. they thought that everything was about the heart. You know, yeah. I'm like, come on, you guys are doctors. Like, mm-hmm. Kind of doctors. <laughs> yeah, well, they're, they're officially... Someone gave them medical licenses. They still had them at this point. That's Did they go to Trump univer- Medical University? <laughs> they had to have. They had to have. There's the only way they could actually have a quote-unquote license yeah. at this point. But Th- so- though really thinking about it, though, what they pulled off is quite miraculous. If they could get it to, you know, not turn whatever they're reanimating into some sort of crazed, whacked-out ghoul. Yeah. But if, they, if, if it, they turned out normal, then this wouldn't be as fun, would it? No. Now, if everything went swimmingly, then... There'd be no movie. Yeah, Herbert West would be a fucking hero instead of a lunatic. And yep. And for whatever reason, the room, the building they're renting, where they're doing all their experiments and shit, is like next to a mausoleum or something. Is so yeah. Well, Herbert like West Herbert West, breaking through well, the Herbert wall. West intentionally made sure it was like like okay, they could get lot lots of uh, subjects to experiment on. He well, just like he's, he cracks he keeps, through the wall and well, he keeps fucking throwing the like every time like one of them like he'll. Like put an arm and a leg together, and he's like, "Okay, I don't need this anymore." Puts it in a bag, throws it on the other side of the wall. So he's mm-hmm. got all these like reanimated parts on the other side of the wall, just like moving around. Yeah. So when everything goes to hell, then of course they all come out, and now you yeah. got all these fucking crazy ass things mm-hmm. that are just moving around. So he's he's tunneling, like he's tun- he's burrowing. Yeah. <laughs> and and then they have like these little weird things they they create, like the with the couple fingers and the eye they yeah. wedge together, and it's running around. It's kind of like a, like a version of Thing from the Adams Family. Yeah, I was just thinking that. <laughs> but it could see, but unfortunately it got squashed. Yeah. That's why they sad. just reanimate it. Yeah, they could. It made me sad. Uh, that was a fun little side character. Yeah. But yeah, I'd say, I'd say Bride, and Bride, the, the actual Bride was like absolutely off the chain crazy. Oh my God. Like, what a crazy special effect. And the special effects for The Bride were done by Robert Kurtzman, Howard Berger, and Greg Nicotero was involved, too. It was, like, the effects company they worked with. Oh, nice. They all worked with that, and those gentlemen are legends in the special effects field. They've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of very well-known stuff. So, really cool that they worked on worked on that particular special effect. 
So I'd say, you know, Bride is a, is a good time. It's more crazy, over-the-top, slapsticky. It's not as good as the first, but I'd say Herbert West and Jeffrey Combs' performance as such really brings a lot of wackiness to it, and it's a good time. Yeah, for sure. Then we move on to the third. I'd say the third is the lesser of the three. Yeah. Beyond it, it Reanimator. Just, it just goes downhill. It does. But it's still pretty fun. So oh, for sure. We have Herbert West is, has been in jail for quite some time. 13 years. Yep. 13 years in prison. And he apparently he'd been in solitary confinement where he still, he still kept working on his stuff in his head and doing experiments on rats that were like in the walls and whatnot and and that I guess now he's realized the way to like extract what he I don't know if he feels it's like the soul or what he feels some it is, sort of electrical something from 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 a person that could combined with his reagent give some level of normalcy but you have to get the sample from another being yeah and it has to be like human still, to human like he tr- they, they try well they, with the well, rat he doesn't think it needs to go human to human yeah he thought it, well the energy was all the same. The, that's the other thing I was going to say about that movie the, the utter ridiculousness that this kid shows up at the prison that's basically like sees his sister killed by one of the Herbert random goals West's, from the first movie yeah so Herbert West goes to prison because of this and this kid sees this sees the reagent and then is like he's like probably like what 14 15 he's mm-hmm. like okay to make sure I can get to this guy to try to bring back life I'm going to go ahead and become a doctor like that's a pretty Big leap, I feel like. Yep. He, at that point, yep, my career path is settled. Yep. Sister got killed by a ghoul. Therefore, I'm going to work with this guy to try to bring people back. And the girl he kind of starts dating is like the reporter, but he makes comments about how she reminds him of his sister. And I'm just like, this Which is, is weird. Which is really, really fucking weird. Like, we're really going to incest level here. It's like he, he bangs this girl and it's like, was he, was he thinking about his sister? And yeah, that's where I just... It was I, I, really it fucking weird. Yeah, it was really strange. But Jeffrey Combs is wonderful. He yeah. gets us rat, and then he reanimates said rat, and they do the electric current thing, and it seems like it's fine. But then, like, gives a little flash of red eyes, so there's uh, indicating that there's obviously something not fine. Yeah. And the rat was ratty, and it was a pet of another inmate in the yeah. prison. So then, they, and then it bites off part of his nose. Yeah. And it's just and then they take chaos and then they take like the rat and the the warden who Jeffrey Combs really does not like. The warden's a giant piece of crap. Oh, yeah. So everything he gets, he kind of deserves. And he like kind of like switches out his energy with the rats, and then he starts acting like a rat. I started calling him, calling him Ratigan. You know what he <laughs> reminded me more of, though, was from Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The way the actor kind of like acted a little bit rat like. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forget what the actor's name is, but. Yeah, very much so. But that was, it, it got. Scabbers, that was Scabbers, yeah. It, the whole thing got really over-the-top ridiculous. So the reporter girl, who eventually dies in this, and they bring her back, and, you know, they do, like, with the energy and everything, but... They use the energy from the warden yeah. to put into her, and then she's acting all chaotic, and at some point she bites off his dick, and mm-hmm. by the end of this movie, the dick and the rat are dancing together. They're fighting, so. and then they're dancing, and it's, then... Just utter chaos. Just utter. Uh, this movie is so ridiculous and kind of stupid in some ways, but it's also kind of fun. It's definitely the lesser of the three, but watch it. Jeffrey Combs' performance is fantastic. It's worth watching, and yeah, just go in expecting it to get utterly ridiculous really fast. 
Like, like it starts off a little slow with the buildup, but once it goes off the chain, it stays off the chain. And of course, the end, Herbert West gets away, but just kind of walking off. Just kind of walks off into the sunset. Yeah. Well, because he pretend he pretends to be like the doctor that was treating it, and just runs out with this guy. And then the way he walks off that with the case, like he has a uh, like a doctor bag. Yeah. Like real he gets doctor. He gets Doctor Phillips badge and pretends to be him. And That's gets right. out. He gets the badge, pretends to be him. But when he walks out though, and he's walking off like into the dark and the mist, it reminded me a little bit of the. The Exorcist? Yeah, the poster for The Exorcist. Yeah, I don't know if it was meant to be. But oh, I'm me. sure, because it looked exactly the same, which was, and again, another wonderful little call. If it was intended, if not, well done. And now I'm thinking the the suburban town near Orlando called Dr. Phillips. <laughs> I'm going to think of Reanimator 3, Beyond Reanimator, every time I think of that town now. Yeah. Was there anything else you want to talk about before we go into ratings? No, I think we covered it pretty well. Uh Obviously, classic trilogy. If you haven't seen it, watch it, please, because you're missing out. Especially the first. First movie is a must. Any yeah. horror fan has to watch that movie. It's a required viewing. The sequels, I can forgive you if you don't watch them. But if you enjoy Jeffrey Combs' performance in the first, watch them. But let's get into ratings. I say we just rate the first one, unless you want to rate all three. Um, yeah, I'd say let's do... I don't know if we could do a rating for the whole trilogy, because I feel like... The balance is way off. Yeah, I feel like we'd have to do individual ratings. So I say let's just rate the first one. Yeah, let's which rate the classic movie. The others aren't as good, but they're funny and ridiculous in their own way. So I recommend them. But yeah, let's let's do the 1985 original. It's getting five skulls for me. Oh yeah, easy five skulls. This is a classic. Like the only thing, like when we did our top five horror franchises of all time episode. Like I said in that episode, the only thing that held this pack from being in my top five is the quality of the sequels weren't really that close to the first. They're fun, but it's not like you have this trilogy of movies that are stood up to the first. Yeah. It just wasn't. Yeah, for sure. But the first movie is one of my favorites of all time. It's a five. It defines the horror comedy genre for me, and the special effects are great. Just everything is about it is really memorable. Yeah. How scary do you think it was? I'm only going to give it a two. It's not really scary. It's just that... I don't think it's meant to be. No, and that's the thing. Is that I'm giving it... I thought about a one, but it's more like a one and a half, but I'm rounding it up to a two just because of partly just like the idea of like reanimated corpses is always a little uncanny valley and creepy. Yeah. And on top of that, just... Even though it still kind of ties into gore, just the sheer grossness of it like adds into that. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm gonna give it a two. Yeah, I think I'll go with a two as well. Like the idea of like if you're in the middle of the situation in the hospital, like think of that poor guy that like the guard of the of the of the morgue mortuary in the in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Of that that guy is just like totally clueless the whole fucking time. Oh yeah, and he's like having to deal with all this shit. Yeah, but when all the bodies start coming, he's like. Fuck this, and he and just he, he just books it. Like, but smart it's, man. But it's like, yeah, like like witnessing something like this would be frightening as fuck. Oh, for sure. But the movie itself not really scary. It's more fun and silly and overt than anything. Yeah. Music sound. I'm gonna go with a four. I think that even though it kind of, it it rips off Psycho, but it intentionally rips off Psycho, yeah. and it's very every time you hear that music, you just you know, and they put their own twist on it though, and they it's did. synonymous. 
No, for sure they did. And so I think it's just that that gets it bumped up for me because it feels a little more iconic. And then just the rest of the sound design for like the blood and you know splattering mm-hmm. or anything else was very good. So yeah, four for me. What are you thinking? Yeah, um, I'm right along line aligned with you. It's a four. You know, like you said, the title a little bit ripped off, but there's little nuances that are unique, like the way they did the drum beats and stuff in the mm-hmm. background was unique to it. Overall sound design for the movies was great. Fit the mood perfectly. Yeah, I, I think a four is really good. Cool. And what are your thoughts on effects? It's a five. You think about 1985, none of this is CG, obviously. And a lot of these practical effects were like some things that hadn't been done before, really complicated stuff. And did it look really, really realistic? No, but it wasn't meant to look really realistic. But they pulled off a lot of crazy stuff, like the head, just the separate head. That mm-hmm. was really not an easy thing to pull off for both the people doing the effects and the actor doing it. And it was... And the physical act of pulling a head off a body. Exactly. Unbelievable. But they really did a great job. They It really gave the movie kind of its charm, I think, a lot of the effects. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things they stick with you and know you'll remember. It's a five for me. All right. For me, I'm going to do a four just because even though a lot of it's... A lot of it doesn't really stand up as much. It's still very good, but it's just, you know, again, it's good for 1985. But a lot of it's, you know, not super realistic looking in many ways. Yeah. So I'm just knocking it down just one for that, but it's very close to a five, but I'm going to give it a four. For me, it was the era it was made in. No, I get that. the intent was, I don't think it was really realism as opposed to just over the top craziness. And boy, they hit that note for me. Yeah. And then for gore, I'm going to give it the full five because, man, oh, yeah. it, it's it's a bloodbath. Yeah, these are some of probably, like, no, like kind of infamous for being some of the goriest, goriest movies of the time when it was made, and certainly that has stood up. So, yeah, gore is a definite five, no doubt. I mean, if you've seen any of these movies, you, you, if you, you don't know. think it's a five, you're insane. But these movies are, it's a splatter fest. But it's a fun Splatterfest, and yeah. I'm not a big fan of a lot of Splatterfests, but things like this and Evil Dead and whatnot, perfect notes. Yeah, for sure. So if you haven't watched it, crawl out of under the rock that you've been living in. If you're dead, give yourself some reagent and check it out. <laughs> All right, anything else you want to say before we sign off? No, I think that's about it. All right. Well, you've been listening to We All Pod down here. Thank you so much for listening, and I'm Brittany. And I'm Dan. Bye. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Our logo was designed by Emmanuel Arroyo. Our website is weallpoddownhere.com. Email us at weallpoddownhere at gmail.com. And you can follow our shenanigans at weallpod on Twitter. And at weallpoddownhere on Instagram and Facebook. And feel free to suggest a movie you want us to review. Or if you just want to suggest something to make me really uncomfortable. Be afraid. Be very afraid.